understand that success is a far more subtle test of your faith than suffering. It's counterintuitive. You see, we assume that pain and poverty is dangerous to faith, but Moses is making it clear that pleasure and prosperity are much greater threats. There may be more danger to your spiritual health on the day that you land the new job than on the day you were fired from the old one. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I want to ask you why it might be more dangerous for your spiritual health on the day you start your new job compared to the day you get fired from your old job. Well, I guess on on the day that you lose the job, you really know you're up against it. You know you're in a trial, you're going to come before the Lord, you're going to ask for his help. But on the day where everything's going well and you're succeeding and everything's on the up, the danger is that you don't realize there's a subtle test that actually lies inside success. And we get this in Deuteronomy when God says, now when you go into the land, the promised land, and you have all kinds of good things that God gives to you, do not forget the Lord. And the point is that there is a subtle test in success. And it gets us time and again because we don't realize that it's actually lurking there. Okay, so we see the warning that Moses gives to the people of Israel. They take the land, they experience success, but they turn to idols and have to face the consequences of their actions. Hopefully we can learn from that. How can we avoid their mistakes? Well, God says, do not forget the Lord when that happens. And then the explanation of that is, you know, when you're blessed, uh, when business is booming, when things are really on the increase and the rise, you can easily get the idea it was my hand, my power, my strength that did this. And then you begin to lose the very foundation of faith. You lose the sense that every good gift comes from God. And that's where the trouble begins. So we're onto something really important in the Bible here, very practical whenever we experience the blessing of God. So we're going to take a deeper dive into this. If you can, open your Bible at Deuteronomy chapter 8 as we hear the next part of Pastor Colin Smith's talk, Defective Memory. Now there is a sense in which the whole of the Old Testament is the story of how a group of people lost and then rediscovered their faith. God had brought his people Israel out of slavery in the land of Egypt. He'd made himself known to Moses. He'd made a covenant with these people. He provided for them miraculously over a period of 40 years as they had lived in the desert. And now after 40 years, when the book of Deuteronomy was being written, the generation who had been slaves in Egypt had died and a new generation was ready to enter the land of Canaan. Now think about this new generation. They'd been born in the desert They'd seen a miracle every day. Some of you say, oh, if I could only see a miracle once. These folks saw a miracle every day as God provided manna, their food, and quail in the evening. They had more faith than their parents. Remember, their parents had been the generation that had doubted and had retreated from Canaan. This generation, now standing on the verge of Canaan, when the book of Deuteronomy was written, They were ready to lay down their lives so that God's promise and his purpose would be fulfilled. And Moses is now an old man as he speaks the words that are recorded in Deuteronomy. And Moses must have had great joy in addressing this rising generation who are living on the cutting edge of faith. But Moses was a prophet. And God had shown him how the radical faith of the new generation would be seriously tested in the future. 
So Moses, an old man, gets up to speak for the last time. And before this new generation, born and raised in the desert, he gives his last message. Let me tell you what's going to happen, he says. First, God is going to give you the land. Everything that he promised is going to be yours in all its abundance and in all its goodness. Verses 7 to 9. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, springs flowing in the valleys, the hills, a land with wheat and barley, a land where bread will not be scarce, you will lack nothing. God's going to give you everything you've always wanted in your life. And when that happens, Moses says, you'd better watch your soul. Look at verse 12. Please look at it because I'm going to read from the radically revised version which was written last Friday. (laughs) Verse 12. When you get used to eating out with your family, and when you have that two-level house with two cars in the garage, and you finally land the job that you hoped for, and finally your stocks do go up, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery out of the land of Egypt. I don't know what it is that you've always wanted, but Moses is saying that when you get it, your faith will be tested. And that might be for some of us to be on that sports team. It might be for others of us to get straight A's. You get it, your faith will be tested. It might be that relationship. Watch what happens. It might be family. It might be a new home. It may be that position. It may be simply in terms of money. But whatever it is, Moses is telling us, understand that success is a far more subtle test of your faith than suffering. It's far more erosive, it's far more subversive to faith, and the reason it is is because we don't think about it. It's counterintuitive. You see, we assume that pain and poverty is dangerous to faith, but Moses is making it clear that pleasure and prosperity are much greater threats. You who are on the cutting edge of faith, ready to lay down your lives in entering the land of Canaan. You just watch what happens when God gives you every good and perfect gift. Now, it is right for us to rejoice in the good gifts of God. But if you think about this and apply it practically, what it means is that there may be more danger to your spiritual health on the day that you land the new job than on the day you were fired from the old one. For parents, you should be as concerned for your children's spiritual health when they succeed as you are when they fail. Pain brings its own test. We'll look at that another time. But the fact is that pain often throws us back on God, where prosperity breeds in us a confidence that makes us feel that we need God less. So as C.S. Lewis puts it, we feel that we are making our way in the world when all the time the truth is that the world is making its way in us. 
And that's where faith is lost. Os Guinness quite brilliantly puts it this way. Rebellion against God, he says, does not begin with the clenched fist of atheism, but with the self-satisfied heart of the one for whom the word thank you is redundant. Rebellion against God does not begin with the clenched fist of atheism, but with the self-satisfied heart of the one for whom thank you is redundant. Now let's look at the symptoms of this condition. Notice first of all verse 14. Pride. Moses is telling them what to look for in their own hearts, so we should look for this in our own hearts this morning. Your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord. You see, does that matter? Is that that much of a big deal? Well, remember, pride was the root of the first sin and the root of all evil. It is the very spirit that leads a man or a woman to think, I don't need God as much as I used to. There wasn't a lot of pride in the desert, but there was a great deal of pride in Canaan. It is the besetting sin of gifted and successful people, of whom there are many among us. And I'm asking you therefore this morning, as it's the besetting sin of gifted and successful people, can you see any evidence of pride in your own heart? Because inasmuch as that takes root, it will be erosive of your faith in God. Secondly, verse 17, presumption. Here's a second symptom to look for, for this spiritual condition. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth. Now, notice Moses says, you will say to yourself, He's talking about a pattern of thought. This is not the sort of thing that you would go around. I mean, no one's going to stand out there in the foyer and say, oh, hello, nice to see you this morning. You've had a good week. Yes, I've had a good week. Uh, How are things going? Oh, well, you know, the strength of my hands has produced great wealth. No one's going to say that out there. It's not in your words, Moses says, but it's in your eyes. It's in your body language because it's in your heart. I wonder, as we look within ourselves, is there a spirit within us that says, you know, I deserve a lot of credit for what I've done. And somehow God, who is the giver of every good and perfect gift, is pushed to the margins. You feel that your success was more down to you than it was down to him. And he becomes increasingly remote and distant, and guess what's going to happen next in your faith? Third symptom. Pride, presumption, and thirdly, self-involvement. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth. Notice the last two words. You see it? For me. For me. Now remember, Moses is speaking to these folks who are on the radical cutting edge of faith. They're standing on the verge of the land of Canaan. They're ready to give everything for the Lord. But he says, you watch out, when you prosper a little bit, you'll find that there's a new battle that you're facing, because you will find a spirit that begins to emerge within you that says, this is for me. You'll quickly move from a position in which you deeply felt that your life was for God, 
And you'll find yourself in that place where you begin to think that everything that you have is simply for you. Now, do you see any of these symptoms in yourself? I asked these questions of my own heart this week, and they're penetrating questions, aren't they? Maybe you do see those symptoms. Then what? Pastor Colin will return in just a moment to give us the diagnosis. So I hope you'll stay with us. The message is called Defective Memory, and it's part of our series, Faith with Questions. And if you miss any of the series, you can find all the parts online at openthebible.org.uk. You can stream the talks, or you can download the MP3 for free on openthebible.org.uk. However you listen, online, on the radio, or the app, it's only possible because of your generosity. So thank you again for giving and supporting this ministry. We'd love to send you a copy of Pastor Colin Smith's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, as a thank you for your financial support in setting up a donation of at least £5 per month. Find out more or give online at openthebible.org.uk. We're on the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, looking at the first 20 verses today, so do open the Bible and meet us there. Back to Pastor Colin for the rest of the message. Well, if you see these symptoms, here's the diagnosis. Defective memory. Defective memory. And it's the first condition in which the seeds of doubt will grow, and therefore we need to deal with it radically. When the doctor makes a diagnosis of your condition, he may write out a prescription. You know, it's a familiar experience. He looks over the caricatured half-moon spectacles and earnestly says to you, take this three times a day for four weeks. And you have a choice as to whether to do that or not. Now, if you do, it will not make you better instantly. It will take time for what has been lacking in your system to build up in your body. But if you take what he prescribes regularly, you will begin gradually to notice some changes. The symptoms will gradually diminish, and eventually the condition itself will be healed. So having looked at some symptoms and having made a diagnosis, we want now thirdly to look at the prescription that is offered to us in the scripture for dealing with this condition. What's the prescription? That we cultivate the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving. Cultivate the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving. It's the only way to deal with the sinister root of pride and presumption and self-involvement that otherwise will begin to take over our souls as God grants us success in a prosperous land. Cultivate the spirit of thanksgiving. And notice how Moses sets that out really in three very simple dimensions. First of all, he refers to the past, what you have experienced. Verse 15 and 16. Do you see there? He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, the thirsty waterless land with its venomous snakes and its scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna. All this is past. And he's saying, think of what God has done for you. Look back over your life. And call to mind, recollect the goodness of God. Now, you may not have been led through a desert, but the same principle applies. Take time to cultivate the discipline of looking back over your life and recollecting the goodness of God to you personally. The lovely old hymn, some of you may know it, count your blessings 
name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Recollection will have a humbling effect on your soul. See how God has given you life, preserved your life. He's given you gifts and talents. He's blessed you with freedom. He has prospered you. Don't spend your time looking at what he did for someone else. Focus your mind, discipline your mind on what he has done for me. Choose to bring that to mind. For if you can see the thousand things that God has done for you, then that one thing that you do not understand will take on a different perspective. Take time to do that, at least once this week. Make a list in your mind or on paper. and Spend 10 minutes reflecting on thanksgiving for the blessings of God throughout your life. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. And it'll cultivate a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving within you. That's the first thing. It's a good regular discipline, recollection thinking of what God has done for me in the past and thanking him for it. Number two, what you're experiencing now. I find it very fascinating that Moses challenges God's people to take the most ordinary events of life and to turn them into acts of worship. Now, notice the two most ordinary events of life that are identified here. Food and finance. Number one, food. I I can't go long without food, and I can't get far without my wallet. So if I can make a strong connection between God, food, and finance, then I will bring God from the margins of my life into the very center. This is very, very practical. Food. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise God for the good land he's given you. In other words, make your dinner table a place of worship. Don't let the television ever replace the table. Whether it is the beginning or the end of the meal, use the most common event of eating as an opportunity to give thanks. We talk about saying grace. It's a good thing. It's a good habit that needs to be kept fresh and meaningful. But Moses had even more in mind. Let the table be a place of family worship. Let every meal be a holy reminder of the goodness of God to you personally. Don't let the table be a place of complaining and grumbling and moaning. Learn to eat and drink to the glory of God. For if you do this, you will bring God to the very center of your life, and it will help you to cultivate the art of thanksgiving. Secondly, verse 18, finance. Do you see it there? Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So when I get my pay packet, I am to remember that this is what God has given to me. In the Old Testament, God gave his people a wonderful way of remembering this. They brought a tenth of what they had, and they gave it to the Lord. When God invited his people to come to worship, he said to them many times in the Old Testament, do not come before the Lord empty-handed. The problem, of course, with money is that however much you have, you never think it's enough. It's simply instinctive to us. But here's a great way of making money an act of worship and completely transforming your view of it at the same time. Take a tenth of all that God gives you and put it into a separate account for giving. Put it there on a standing order because it's a principle that you've chosen to adopt. 
and use that account for giving for the advance of his kingdom. You will find first that it's a source of great joy, because when you look at that account, you'll say, my goodness, for every dollar I've given, God gave to me ten. That's a whole different view. Ten times that amount. It will alter your view of money, and it will foster a spirit of thanksgiving that is vital to your spiritual health. Some of you are saying, this is like being at the doctor's where I get a prescription I don't want to take. Well, if that's what you feel, just ask yourself this question honestly. Could it be then that you have fallen into the trap that Moses identifies here of saying that my wealth is for me? We've got to break that power if we're going to have a spirit of thanksgiving. Now, someone's going to say as we come towards the end here, haven't we come a long way from the subject of doubt? No, we've not. You see, there are many people for whom faith is nothing more than a remote belief that is scarcely connected to the realities of life. God is little more than a place to complain where things go wrong. If you want to know a lively faith, Moses is saying, you must, especially in a successful and materialistic culture, cultivate the art of thanksgiving. Number one, make it your regular practice to review the blessings of God in your life. Two, make the most ordinary things in your life acts of worship, like the table and the checkbook. Cultivate the art of thanksgiving as you think of what you have experienced and as you receive what God is giving you in his abundant goodness now. And finally, what you've never experienced. Look at verse 14, very briefly. Moses speaks about the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt? Remember, most of these folks were born in the desert. They were never in Egypt. So what does he mean? Moses is saying to them, the Lord brought you out the land of Egypt. What he's reminding them of is, think of what, where you would have been if it were not for the mercy and the grace of God. And that's the whole point of this table that we're going to come to right now. And it's why we have this on a regular basis, and we need this in our spiritual lives. Because what this table says to us is, think where you would have been if it was not for the mercy and the grace of God. For this table tells you that Jesus died under the wrath of God that Jesus entered the experience of hell itself so that you should never know what that is like. And if you will feed your soul on that knowledge that God has revealed to you, you will be helped to cultivate the art and the discipline of thanksgiving. And it will be the very foundation of health in your spiritual life. Well, this is Pastor Colin, and I hope that today's message is refreshing to your soul today. 
you know, I need more thanksgiving in my life. I can so easily just slip into a pattern of taking everything that God has given to me for granted, and I need every day to remind myself of the grace of God in which I stand, the abundant goodness of God, and then to turn that memory into thanksgiving. And I hope that you will do that today. You know, I have been so helped by the scripture that says we're to present our requests to God with thanksgiving. In other words, never ask God for something without thanking him for something he's already done, something he's already given. Let's make the commitment today to cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving, to rejoice in God's abundant goodness and to give him praise for every good gift that comes from his hand. Colin, thanks for that challenge today, and I hope many of us will take you up on that. Our message is called Defective Memory, and it's part of our series called Faith with Questions. If you miss any of the series, you can catch up on our website, openthebible.org.uk, where you can stream any of the talks in the series or download an MP3 for free. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. If you find God to be dull, boring, or tedious, then you can be certain that you have a distorted picture of God. Find out why next time on Open the Bible.